0: Welcome back to In The Round Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is Mike Breslin. Hello. And Dangerous Dave. I was trying to think of a nickname and then I was like, oh, I will. <laughs> it. Well, there's plenty of nicknames that aren't fit to the pod, so I was just trying to find one that was. With, I've set well, up and we're i have already dangerous. named some of the ones that weren't suitable well, so you know how it occurs, mate. When- La, 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 la. All right. Dave do you want to tell the viewers Why you're wearing a frilly colour Right firstly No one
1: Can see this It's <laughs> literally just an old gym top That's like a breathable red t-shirt With some black lines on it That's all it is and Will's decided That it's
0: frilly I think one <laughs> will needs to Google got, what frills are He's Ladies and gentlemen, I'll, uh, I'll describe it for you. He no, looks you like
1: because you're going to be totally false. He looks like Sir Francis Drake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I
2: can't dear. believe this. We'll put this episode on YouTube, Dave, you shall usually we?
1: Get, usually I get abused for what I say, which is fair, but people can't even see how I look or what I'm wearing, and here we
2: are. We'll put it up with the... Uh no we won't
1: because the frills will get the shakespeare so he's on me apparently Christ. no oh, yeah. part in that no part right in that. now okay. how am i feeling yeah great well until you accuse me of wearing frills cheers
0: <laughs> um, i'm crying now yeah you are no for your no frills approach which is why i was surprised um <laughs> here's a segue for you um fantasy drake was playing a I think croquet when they found out about the Spanish Armada. But we're not talking about us, but we're talking about football this week. <laughs> 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 oh God, it's, it's bad. Um anyway, what are we talking about this week? Well, um week three of the Premier League, so um we thought we'd come back to you with some um some just some measured take, and then um we sat on it a bit more and thought, now nah, let's just Recklessly speculate and overreact for everything So um, on this episode you're going to hear a lot about uh, Why Chelsea are the worst team in the league Why Man United are frauds Why Pep Guardiola is going to be sacked within the year Um, We're going to tell you why Leicester are going to win the league And then Mike's going to rant for about 25 minutes about a handball Um, So, full episode, lads Um, I guess there's no other place to start with really Than to talk about the issue that's been dominating Certainly the opening of the Premier League, and in particular, I didn't feel like you could move for this weekend without a discussion of the handball rules. Mike, do you want to start us off? Um, You were annoyed last week. Why are you even more annoyed now?
2: I mean, it's just, well, this week we've managed to get one where the guy's not even looking at the ball. So we've managed to upgrade on last week's, which I thought were bad enough as it was.
0: So for those those who haven't seen the game, um, in the Spurs game, um, Eric Dyer was uh, a late penalty was given, and Eric Dyer wasn't even looking at the ball, but the ball hit his outstretched arm, and the referee decided to give it. Um, if you haven't seen it, go and look at it because um, yeah, it's interesting, certainly. Um, but go on, Brez.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure how you couldn't have seen it by now. If you've got a Twitter account, it, it's been plastered. But there you go. Um. Sounds like day. Yeah, so. Yes, I guess it was I guess <laughs> mainly there was there's three controversial handballs I'd say this weekend. The first uh-huh. one was was Mopai against United in uh-huh. the 10th minute of added time. Um, the incident happened before the ref blew the whistle.
1: Mhm. Uh-huh.
2: Blew the whistle for full time and then with all the United protests and VAR told him to have a look at it, Get gives the penalty after the whistle had gone. I guess this is probably the most handball of the three of them yeah Looking um, back
0: to the referee afterwards <laughs>
2: yeah um, my main I guess issue I don't know if it's an issue is that it was he blew the whistle for full time, so to me that's that's the end of the game
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, apparently because the incident happened before he'd blown the whistle, it meant that they could still look at it. I don't yeah. know if you guys remember, there was one in Germany where the, the players had gone down the tunnel for half-time and then they all had to traipse no. back out for a penalty that was given with, on VAR. Yeah. So it appears that that is the case, they can actually do that. Um, I just felt bad for Brighton too.
0: Yeah, let's come back to that. Let's stick with the pens though. Because um, yeah. the second one with the world, Roy Hodgson, well there was a second one in the Everton Palace game. Um, Ward was penalised for a ball that was headed at him from really close range. It was quite harsh. I
2: mean, he's, he's in a great position defensively. If you're a mm-hmm. defender, he's he's doing exactly what he should be doing and it just hits him. Mm-hmm. As as Will says, from really close range. There's no way he can get his arm out of the way or even mm-hmm. expect it to hit his arm from there. Yeah. <sighs> that um, one's just I, brutal, man. I,
0: th- I think Rory Hodgson probably um had the not sort of... He had a much-shared um, clip on social media where he said, for me, handball, there has to be some element of intent um, and we shouldn't be looking at the ones we are looking at. Um, so, these three handballs. Dave, any of them a handball for you? I know they I are th- handballs, but in your I opinion... Thought, I thought the Ward
1: one was harsh. Eric Dyers was just ridiculous. I think more pies could be you i think that is, as a, more pies is a
0: penalty yeah, yeah i think yeah.
2: so yeah, yeah. And, uh, and i still think that's a little harsh but i still think it probably is a penalty i thought is, is he I not thought,
0: jumping
2: yeah this is this is what i thought at the time i think he is yeah that is how you jump isn't it if you're trying to yeah. contest the ball you, your arms are going to go up to get leverage to get you higher
0: 'Cause everyone's played football, admittedly, none of us well. I mean slightly apart harsh, Mike, harsh. Apart from Mike, but apart slightly harsh on bread. Not by not well, I mean that oh, level. Cheers, guys. Me and Dave certainly haven't played at any high level. Um but when you jump for a ball, and as a very short man myself, you do find yourself to jump <laughs> a lot. Um my arms go up. Um my arms are when you're doing anything in football, I mean you try and rein your arms in, but your arms are out and about because it's just the way you play, it's the way you move. So it just feels almost like you're asking players to put their arms behind their backs and pogo stick up and down. It, it feels a bit ridiculous to me.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I, I wouldn't have liked that against me if I was defending that corner. No. Um, I think the only thing with this one is that he's not exactly challenging where the header is from. He's kind hmm. of just off Maguire. Mm. which means maybe he doesn't need to have his arm there. I don't know. It's, that one's the most, it could be a penalty
1: mm-hmm.
2: out of the three. Um, I, yeah, I think, like I was saying, the main thing with that one is the, can you give a decision after you've ended the game?
0: Yeah. Um, Dave, mm-hmm. uh, so with, with the handball, um, Roy Hodgson's comments about the handball rule has to involve intent. Um, what do you think about that as an idea?
1: I think it's a better idea because I think all players know, you know, if, if they're putting the, their arm in the way to actually try and play the ball. And I think that's always been clear. I think, especially with VAR, even, even before VAR, you can sort of judge if a player has any intent or if it's an incident. Well, an accident, rather. Now, with VAR, they have plenty of angles and plenty of time to to look into it. You can tell, you know, if the player's looking at the ball and he's, he's stepped the wrong way or something because he's not going to get his body in the way and he throws out an arm, you can tell it's a penalty. I think even the players know most of the time. What blew me away with these ones, especially Ward uh, against Everton, not one of the Everton players even appealed. No one thinks it's a handball. Yeah. The ball's just hit him. There's no intent there. Uh, and by this rule, it's somehow a penalty. I think it's I think it's a joke because, as Mike said last week, what's to stop players just putting the ball at someone's ball, arm in the box? Because technically it's going to be a penalty now.
0: Um, I just quickly want to come back on something. Um, so the old rule did have a modicum of intent, but there's no way to judge intent. There's no way to know. You're asking referees That's to play a guessing game. Is that fair on refs, Mike? You're, you've refed yourself.
2: Yeah. I I felt like I always had, a, I think I said this last week, that I always had a slightly different view on handballs and other people, mm-hmm. even when the rule was before. We basically are asking for common sense now. Yeah. Which is what we kind of had before and it didn't really work, if, I don't mm-hmm. think. So now we've ended up here where it's obvious what a handball is. Yeah. Because it's just whenever it hits your arm, if you're a defender in the box, it's a penalty. But I think we've got to go back to a bit more common sense because yeah. clearly this isn't working. And I think, yeah, judging intent, sorry to come back around to that. I got a bit sidetracked there. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Judging intent, I think with with VAR now, it's a bit easier to yeah. actually, like, before, the ref had to make it in a split second, whereas now these people mm-hmm. sat in a chair somewhere else with no fans on their back. Admittedly, the refs don't have that either in the ground at the moment. No. They get a much more objective view of, and lots of angles, and a bit more time to decide has he got enough room to move his arm out of the way? Did he put it in there deliberately to gain an advantage? I think is what Roy Hodgson said. And that's the, that's yeah. the point here. Like war doesn't stuck his arm out to gain an advantage. That's just no. his body position to defend what was going on in front of him. Um, I think it, it, it's tough to judge in 10. It is even with VAR, but I think you can do it a bit better these days.
0: Yeah. I think there's probably you're definitely a definite good point there about um, technology and having time to think, making it easier. Uh, to me, handball was always, um, it, you've got the really blatantly obvious ones like the Henri one versus Ireland and you've got the, Louis, God, yeah. the Luis Suarez one versus Ghana, for example. Deliberate mm-hmm. and obvious ones. But then you also had the ones where the ball's been struck from a what out and their arm's in an unnatural position. Those ones, to me, were always handball. Um but this new one of it just hits your arm. Just feels, it feels daft to me, and I just I don't know where it ends because I know last week we talked about um, how there was an incident in the Arsenal West Ham game where it, the ball hits Gabriel's hand. But um, there's in the Chelsea game this weekend um, for Tammy Abraham's third equalising goal, which we will come on to. Um, the ball hits Havertz's arm in a way where I was a bit like. You, if they disallowed that I'm not based on what's currently going on I'm not sure you can have any complaints but they didn't disallow it the goal was allowed to stood and it carried on and I just was a bit like well we've got all these cameras but where's the consistency um so it's not just a bad rule it's it's a bad application of the rule as well in a way for me it
2: definitely seems to be like if you're a defender in the box and it hits your arm it's a penalty whereas if it's an attacker and sort of like someone else um, touches the ball after it's hit your arm Mm -hmm. and then they pass it to the next guy who scores, then it's all right for some reason. Mm. And like you say, I think the consistency is where even when you feel like it's just, if it hits you at hand, it's handball, it still isn't somehow.
1: I think the lack of consistency is one thing that's, that's what's really sticking out to people really, isn't it? It's just like, there's games where Something given as a pen that in a game on the same day it, it doesn't get given or, or whatever. And I think, as you say, yeah, attackers get an advantage. Like, I remember specifically last year, as much as I loved it, McBurney, when he scored against Man United last year, definitely handled the ball to control it. Now, if that was a defender, it probably would have been a penalty. If he mm-hmm. was doing that in his own box. Yeah,
0: it, it, it's a bit. It's just, it's just hard to know. The, there is one aspect of it I do want to touch on. Um, the fan backlash to this has been um, extensive. Um, a, a lot of people are saying it's ruining the game. The game's gone. Um, the game's never really able to be gone because it's in a constant state of flux. So That's a pretty <laughs> ridiculous statement. But for the two of you, um, is this has this ruined the Premier League? For you in the opening weeks? Because it's more goals than we've ever seen before. Like last week was the highest scoring game week, I think, in donkey's years.
2: I've, yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I think. I think, yeah, I did tweet on our account that the game had gone for me while <laughs> this rule is in effect. Uh, it is totally ruining my enjoyment of football as a sport. Uh-huh. However... As an entertainment product, it's hard to find things. VAR and these handballs are throwing up things that I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a game ended and then it being brought back out for a penalty, like at Brighton. I've never... Late drama at Spurs as well with the dire one. Mm -hmm. It creates just carnage. Things are happening that we have not seen before, which to be fair, is quite interesting. But it's just not the game of football that I enjoy watching myself. Just because I just find these decisions just so stupid. Yeah, it's a fair point. Dave, for you?
1: Yeah, I find it sort of irritating, really. Um, I get the entertainment value for sure. There's more goals. I like... VAR is a tough one for me. I think saying the game's gone is ridiculous because, as you say, it's always changing. Um, I like the fact that VAR does things that that are good, that aren't talked about enough, just like overturning Mm -hmm. penalties or even goals where someone's infringed on play, whatever, that definitely wouldn't have been spotted before. I think the main thing for me with VAR is that No one really celebrates goals until it's been checked by VAR. Like, you don't know if it's a goal until everyone knows there's no point celebrating until it's been checked. And That that annoys me. I'm not saying it's wrong. It just personally annoys me that that's the case. Like, it was so refreshing to watch Tottenham, Chelsea and the Carabao and
0: well yeah. nothing was refreshing about that game well okay. <laughs> <What>
1: was <laughs>
2: that <laughs> was just because we were in the pub dave it was
0: yeah. not uh, I, also, really. I also i also i also just quickly dave um, come back to you, i just want to go back to me i think the whole like uh, the whole nobody celebrates a goal is so blown out of proportion i've i was in i've seen countless games of football where var's been involved the year before before we were all locked down um people were celebrating goals left, right and centre. And then maybe, yeah, there was the, ooh, as they decided whether or not it's given. People were still celebrating goals when it flew in the back of the net, unless it was obviously offside. It's one of the most, I just think that's, I think, yeah, maybe there's the odd occasion where people are like, oh, I think that could be off, I'm not going to celebrate. But for the most part, I don't think anyone in the grounds is not celebrating the goal. Maybe... Maybe people at home. Oh, at home, no one in the ground celebrating. No, but well. when they when they are in, <laughs> when they are in the ground, um, maybe people at home are going, oh well, we're not celebrating. But to be honest, if you if you're leaping around your living room, um, for a goal, I mean, it's not it doesn't matter as long as it's okay in the ground because at the end of the day, it's a it's a it's four fans in the ground the game. You know what I mean? I just I think it's so blown out of proportion about the... Uh, but anyway, back to the handball, not VAR. Is the handball ruining the sport for you, Dave? Uh, it's...
1: Yeah, I guess. Mainly because it's not been ruled consistently. I do just think it's ridiculous that, you know, the in some of these cases that we've seen in recent weeks, the players, you know, there's no malice. There's no malice in it at all, or even any intent. It doesn't seem. I think. it's I'd say if the handball rules ruining the game, it's more. I just think the decisions are unfair. They just seem unfair, and it's even more unfair that there's no consistency with it. So, if every handball like that was just given as a penalty, yeah, might you might not agree with it, but at least as everyone's in the same boat. But we keep seeing ones where it isn't given. Uh, and on the same day or even in the same game, something pretty much exactly was saying that's given as a penalty. So it's more how it's been enforced. I, I guess is what really grinds my gears with it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think there was a quite a few interesting comments over the weekend, um. Just about, like you said, Dave, about VAR in general, and how this has brought up another system. And it's just like every time you see, like Gary Lineker is a hugely intelligent man who probably knows he knows way more about football than I ever will. But every time I see him complaining about VAR, I think, I think, <laughs> I think, Gary, I've watched you for twenty odd years on Match of the Day. The, lamenting the fact that there were all these, oh, is this a penalty? Oh, I feel like they've been cheated out of the game. So, And now we've got a reliable system that's being let down by the rules. And everyone seems a bit upset. Um, let's try and move away from the handball. But let's actually... Well, no, I just bye wanted bye to say.
2: quickly say that I think the Premier League have, uh, were having a meeting about this and I think they're going to be relaxing the uh, house. Yes outrageously stupid some of the decisions are. So sh- hopefully we'll be a bit better next weekend.
0: Yeah, hopefully. But th- that's one of those ideas that's, that sounds really good in principle, but it, I'd love to know what instructions they're giving to the referees because the referees are put in a tough spot of how's lenient, too lenient. Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah.
0: Is John Moss more lenient than Anthony Taylor? I'm I also... Mean, probably, Anthony Taylor.
1: I'm good. not sure how wise changing the rule when a season started is, just for the fact that Say a team that's been affected by a decision, uh they miss out on a European place or even get relegated by a point, small margins, and they're like, Well, if this rule was how it was the rest of the season at the start, we would have picked up a point here
2: or three points. I don't I don't think Roy Roy Hodgson will care if they change the rule yeah. for next weekend.
0: I think, I think with three week even
2: Steve st- Bruce, to be fair. I think it might be Yeah.
0: In favour, and
1: it, it benefited his team, and he wasn't happy with it. So that says all you need to know.
0: Really, I think there's an interesting point about competition there, like we talked about after the lockdown. Yeah. Finished. Um, I think the difference here is uh, it's only three games, um, and I think the easy way to suit this is to go to the Premier League clubs and say, "All of you, how many of you want to change this?" And all of twenty will go. I think yeah, we want to change go, it. Yeah. And, yeah. So I think I think this is one of those situations where I don't think anyone is going to be too upset.
2: Although, yeah, I agree.
0: Hopefully, Sheffield United don't get relegated because we know they're particularly litigious about relegations. Um, <laughs> I just
2: wanted to, yeah, finish that on a more positive note. So hopefully, next week we won't have to talk about this.
0: Yeah, no, football's dead. We'll be back on it next week. Um, <laughs> let's actually talk about one of the games in which the handball was in. Um, and we're going if you're playing in and around podcast bingo. Um, here's your Brighton. One chalked off because we're going to talk about Brighton. Um Brighton, like you mentioned, Mike, lost to Man United um three two. Um absolute miscarriage of justice. Um the second time I've seen Brighton involved in the miscarriage of justice this season, where they absolutely were the way better team. They were they were better than Chelsea opening week, and then they were better than United here. They looked really good. Um what do you think of Brighton first?
2: Brighton were fantastic. Really, really good. Um, the only thing missing, I guess, was a couple of the shots that hit the woodwork going in the goal. I hit
0: the woodwork five times. Trossard with a hat, perfect hat-trick, crossbar both posts. Yeah. Unreal.
2: He did one post, the other post, and the crossbar in order. Now, that is <laughs> heroic stuff. That really <laughs> no. is.
0: That's worth, like, three goals. Like It's got to be. Um,
2: but, yeah, I mean, he had also had a big chance. I think 90 plus two, I've got noted down, just in added yeah. time. He had a really big chance and fired it straight at De Gea. Um, yeah, I mean Brighton were just by far the better side. This is coming from the United fan of the podcast. It showed how, out in my opinion, how out of his depth Solskjaer actually really is when it comes up against a well-coached, tactically well-set up side like yeah. Brighton.
0: Some lovely patterns of play from Brighton. And um, we talked. We talked about in our group chat while it was happening about how we were impressed by. Some of the quickness of their passing and how it managed to move people from it was moving the United uh, midfield all over the place. And we'll get back to this when we talk about Wolves and why the difference in having players do that quickly. Um, it was a really impressively coached game. Um, Brighton have been Brighton's aim for the season. Their aim for last season was stay in the Premier League, but develop a more attractive style. Um, me and you, Brez, said we think that was worthwhile. Dave, you had a bit more reservations. In the early part of the come, season, how are you feeling it. about it? I I, I, flip at it again. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa. <laughs> even, since the end of, even since the restart, they looked pretty good. Um, and, yeah, my reservation was that they'd got rid of something that was tried and tested. Mm-hmm. And you could maybe say... It's one of those things of hindsight, isn't it? If they'd gone wrong,
0: everyone
1: would would say, oh, shouldn't have got rid of Houghton, huge mistake. But they've actually managed to do what they wanted to do and look a far better side for it moving forward. So obviously it was a good decision. Um, I just want them to pick up the points they deserve. I don't want them to be one of those teams caught in a relegation scrap with horrible outfits that play in white and black. There's three of them this season. Um,
0: hold <laughs> on, Newcastle, Fulham, West Brom,
1: Fulham. 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 Ah, okay,
0: yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'd I don't want to see them down there because they're way too good. Yeah, I don't. I want they... them to pick up the points. Uh,
0: the one thing I wanted to ask you, Dave, um, as someone who watched a bit more of the Championship um, than me and Mike do, um, watched a bit more of last year, Um watching watching Fulham. Not Fulham. Christ, I don't ever want to watch Fulham again. Watching <laughs> watching Brighton, and in particular um, Ben White, and the relationship he struck up quickly with Duncan Lamptey. Um, how impressed have you been by been by his step up from the Championship and how he seems I to think... have taken it to
1: water? Well, yeah, I was going to say, he seems exactly the same player. He's mm. got the same confidence that he had in the Leeds team, which is impressive because... Played over 40 times last season for Leeds and he's already like seamlessly gone straight into this, this team. Um he looks assured as well, uh, which I think is important, especially his first season in the Prem. There was a lot of hype around him, so it would maybe be easy for him to have been overwhelmed. Obviously, I imagine there's internal pressure. Um Brighton loaned up Duffy, to be fair has been a decent servant for them. And uh, basically taking a gamble on Ben White, so it's probably pressure on him anyway to actually hit the ground running. And I think he's he's done just that, really.
2: Well, yeah, I mean they rejected a bid for what for, was it thirty minute or twenty or 30?
0: four? I thought it got up to forty.
2: Did it really? So yeah, I mean that in itself for your first season in the in the league is, as you say, Dave, a hell of a pressure to come in with. Yeah, and he's, I mean. I didn't think he'd be quite this good straight away, but he's really just he is. hit it's the close. ground running, really has.
0: Um, yeah, he's, he's been really good. and um, Brighton as a whole been really good. Uh, Tarek Lamptey, what a player. Yeah, Absolute boy, I love him. Um, that's enough of that, Brighton, um, though. But I will say it was quite interesting to watch Graham Potter's team, who were infinitely well coached, versus Solskjaer's team, who who not seem thing to know what they want to do. Like all right, we'll go back to that, Dave. Well, it was just quick. We move.
1: Go on, Dave. No, I, I think this will be quick. People say Morphy's penalty was
2: disrespectful. What's your thoughts? I'm kind of glad you brought that up. It's absolutely yeah, not dis- because... disrespectful. Never... Not for me. Not yeah, for me. It's a
0: bit so disrespectful.
1: Yeah, I? people were going mad on Twitter about it, and I was just like, "If anything, it's audacious. That's all it is. It's audacious to try that."
2: Is in, in my view, you can kick it in the goal, however the heck you like. However, United should snap him after that.
1: I mean, the crying, the crying yeah.
2: celebration—it was
1: hilarious that he hadn't giving away the <laughs> third pack. But I don't the third goal, rather, I just don't like more but I find that hilarious. Yeah, he's good been player. good. He's been
0: like, good this good season, though, and, and I, I, he no, was he good. Last, he was good last year, and um, I think it's quite—it's good for the Premier League to have a villain. It's good for football in general to have a villain because um, otherwise it becomes a... I'm, I'm sure he
1: lo- I'm sure he loves it if you ever watch his interviews like he did against Arsenal. He loves it. He thrives in being a villain. I think it drives him.
0: He loves it. He does indeed. Speaking of things we don't love, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's coaching. See, look what happened, Dave. Another bad segue because you're interrupted. <laughs> um, no press uh, as the resident United fan, we've got worries about um, United in particular, how, how they struggle to create when they're not able to counter. Um, watching Potter's well-coached team versus the United, um, I, I don't just want to say how did you feel, but how did you feel?
2: It, I mean, it just highlighted all the problems that we thought were probably still there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think United are particularly well coached or well set up, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: especially when they come up against a side that are so clearly so well drilled and they've Mm. got these patterns that they do, which really we should know about, Mm. you would think. But they just really didn't have an answer for them. Again, Pogba didn't turn up at all. Bruno wasn't up to much until he scored. And it pretty much took a, a moment of brilliance from Rashford. Mm -hmm. Um, to score the second goal. The first one was an own goal from a set piece and then obviously the penalty in the last minute. Uh, I don't want to spend too long here again because I feel like we have the same thing every week. Yeah, we do. United are poor. I don't think Oli... Oli's did his job, got got the good feeling back around the club, got a few more young players coming through. Now you really need to get Poch or someone in who can... Almost do what Potter's doing at Brighton.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to touch on one thing in this game. Um, Paul Pogba doesn't look fit. Um, and you look at United and uh, Fernandez for all his faults in this game, and I didn't think he was very good. Um, his pass for Rashford's goal was really nice, and he had a few moments of quality. But if United's two guys in the midfield aren't Fit and firing. That's a real problem for United, and um, so it's up to them to get Pogba back as fit as possible. And um, the only other thing I did want to quickly say about Pogba is, in watching James Rodriguez play for Everton, oh, I sort dead. of, I'm sort, and he is really good. Um, he's so good. I'm sort of getting a bit, and I get ever angrier with Man United because I think Paul Pogba, um when he came to United was obviously incredibly talented and we've seen him be incredibly talented in, uh, with France. And the reason I bring up the parallel of, um, Rodriguez is Rodriguez doesn't run. He doesn't Not track back. He doesn't do any of that. However, what Ancelotti did was he surrounded him with ball winners and hardworking players like Richarlison apparently day. Um, he works hard well, <laughs> takes all the kicks. Um, and because he's covering for his deficiencies, um, James Rodriguez is allowed to thrive and I was just—I was trying to think back to Pogba's midfield partners at United and I've, I don't think he's ever really been put in the position to succeed like he was put in the no. position to succeed in that Juventus midfield and I just think I've always been a bit harsh on him when in reality it's just United's midfield has been a mess for years and I'm not sure it's even fixed now with Fernandes. Dave?
1: Just going to say the France midfield in the 2018 World Cup showed what Pogba can do if he has Reliable players. I mean, you're not going to get Kante and Matuidi in the same club as him. But no. they did the jobs that people need to be doing to allow Pogba to play his game. And as you say, Man United have never had the players in position to let him do that. Uh, I don't t- think.
0: I, yeah, I think you're right. It's just it just is emblematic of the problems at the club, particularly since the re- in on the recruitment side of things as much as the coaching. Um. So I just I just thought it was interesting for that parallel. Um. I'd ask you to talk, Brez, but then we'd probably lose 15 minutes on why Paul Pong was a fraud. No, no, I'll, <laughs> just,
2: I'll just quickly say that there's still no director of football at United and that is a huge issue. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes, it is. Um, speaking of the Ev, Everton, James Rodriguez, Carlos boys, um, I think it's only fair we touch on them quickly. Um, they've uh, they got another win. This one perhaps a slightly uh, tougher out for them. Uh, against a Palisade who were flying high. Dave, um, take a few seconds to talk about Rodriguez. Um, oh, he's,
1: he's just so good. Like, he plays the game at his own pace. Um, Calvert-Lewin's first goal, well, his only goal, actually, Everton's first goal, uh, was, even though Col- Seamus Coleman got the assist, did well down the side, uh, Rodriguez made a pass out to him that no one else in that Everton team is capable of, I don't think. Perfectly waited for the common to run on to, pulled it back, Calvert Lewin, man on conference. He's in that position where you want him to be, taps it in. Um he also there were so many times where he just like sort of plucks the ball out of the air and mm. brings it down. And I think there was a couple of times Ali McCoyce was just laughing. He was like, How's he got out of there? Like he's got three players on him. There was one way he brought it down two players around him and he basically just flicked it over to, I think it was Allen in midfield. No no other player in that team is doing that. He's, he's a joy to watch, to be honest. He's so
2: good. Mm. So, so good. Mike? I, yeah, I was pretty much nodding along with all of that. Obviously, the viewers can't see that. <laughs>
0: um,
2: but no, Everton, three from three so far. I think Palace are two from three as well. So, two sides that are looking probably above where... We definitely had them. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: So that's a really good win for Ancelotti and his men. They, they could have a decent season. I see they've just bid this evening, recording Wednesday night, uh, for Ben Gibson from Norwich as well. So if they can bolster that defence. Is that his name? Ben no, ben Godfrey. ben Godfrey. Ben Godfrey, that's it. Sorry, guys. God, Godfrey. I, look, I'm you, making up transfer rumours like Sky Sports.
0: <laughs> I'm ben sure... D- on the podcast. I'm sure he's a really I'm sure he's a good player, Godfrey um, I want no part of anyone Who is part of that Norwich backline <laughs> <laughs> 20,
2: 26 mil apparently
0: Right Okay um, That was just, just quickly on Everton Because um, I think we wanted to Talk about uh, Sunday's game um, Man City played Leicester, lost 5-2 mm-hmm. um, Quite this game, lads. Um, I was, although it's a surprising scoreline, it was quite similar to a game in which, in Pep's first season in England, where um, it was the first time he really got beat badly, and Leicester ran roughshod of him, Jamie Vardy in particular. Um, were you surprised by this? I have to be honest. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: a little bit. Um... Obviously, Leicester. We know what they can do. They've been a. They showed last year they're a good team uh, for half of the season. Um, mm-hmm. They looked. You know, everyone knows they're frats. But Vardy's been around for so long now that you sort of think maybe people know how to try and stop him. And I was just. I was more blown away that City started so well and just totally fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Usually. Usually, this team, they, if they're playing bad in a game, they, they fire themselves back up. It feels like uh, they just couldn't really get any of the players in the game. Like I have to say, it's maybe the quietest De Bruyne game I've ever seen. Didn't mm-hmm. wasn't really able to get on the ball much, which yeah. was strange.
0: <laughs> Interesting, you mentioned Kevin De Bruyne, because um, after City lost to uh, Leon in Champions League, he said it's the same old shit. Every year. And I don't know about the two of you, but this game to me was the same old city problems year after year. And I, I, I don't really understand how Pep Guardiola being the absolute genius that he is, and he is a genius. um, I don't understand how he's had these problems with him defending in the transition. Year in and year Year out now. Um, and I, I'm a bit confused as to as to why it's still so bad, Mike. As a former centre half yourself, as we've discussed on the podcast, <laughs> would you like to play centre back for this city team? Because I'm not sure I would.
2: Um, if if uh, if it's Rodri screening and not Fernandinho,
0: forget about it. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but yeah, this is this is my thing. Like I was watching this game, and I actually I felt really sorry for Rodri because. You'd expect, it's
2: not all his fault, in all no, fairness.
0: I think, and City have bought another. City have bought Ruben Diaz for a lot of money, a lot of money. Um, but the problems look like they start higher up in midfield. Like the amount of runners that are breaking through for Rodri to track and foul. I don't even think Prime Fernandinho is going to be able to cope with that. Uh, I mean, I'm seeing, oddly enough, I think a lack of intensity further up the pitch. Um, but I guess I guess I just want to scream at Pep to coach his fucking defence again.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> Vardy, Vardy was clever winning the first two penalties. He was, yeah. But they're the wrong side of him anyway, so <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> they either foul him or he probably scores anyway. Um, yeah. Obviously, slots those away. He's really been a thorn in... Pep's side ever since he has, they arrived. Yeah. He has Vardy in particular, and I guess Leicester as a team. Um, I will say I I didn't watch this game, but I saw I, the scores are coming through on my phone. And I saw one nil Man City, and I thought, right, here we go, City, are gonna gonna run away with this one. And then the goals just kept coming for Leicester, and I was like, what in the world? Yeah. So and,
0: we. <laughs> this game was baffling to me. Like we. We know. I, I really want to show the right levels of respect to Pep Guardiola here, but he spent four. It's hard million, when his
2: defenders keep doing this.
0: He spent yeah, four hundred so million money. pounds on defenders, and the and I'm looking at it going clear as day to me, an idiot who knows nothing about football. Clear as day to me, the problems start as much as you've got a terrible left back, and we'll get on to left-back recruitment later, as much as you've got a terrible left-back, um, you 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 can't have this lack of screen for a... Pre- you can't let that many runners through and expect to win football matches. It was exactly the same for Chelsea at West Brom when they went up there and they played um Kovacic and Kante, both two players who neither of them have defensive midfield tendencies in their heads that were going to sit and track runners. They want to go and seek and destroy... And it was exactly the same here. It was just they were so open, and I was there going, "How is Pep not fixing this? Not fixing this?" Because for the last two years, there's been a way to play City. We're still figuring out how to try and play against Liverpool, but there's a way to play City. You sit deep, you invite the pressure, you brave, you pay, and you play through. But then you break on them because they cannot defend counter attacks at all. They're woeful at it, and. I just to me I'm just I'm baffled by the fact that he's not figured it out or that city who throw money at things have not got him what he needs
2: It is extremely frustrating because like you said Pep is a, clearly is a genius yeah and he sp- he spends hours and hours he must he's I mean obsessed. he doesn't have much hair but he must be tearing his hair out because <laughs> he either he's getting it wrong or they're getting it wrong the defenders are getting it so wrong and the midfield because Something is not working in the transition, as you said. Something is not right.
0: Yeah. I mean, fair play. I've never seen Ruben Diaz play, but they did desperately need another centre-half. Um, maybe this allows um, Men- Ake to go play a bit more left-back. I just want to quickly touch on something. Benjamin Mendy has not been good enough for Man City for ages. Um, and again, it's a sim- similar situation for Alonso and Chelsea in that we keep going into these years with these players at full-back, and I cannot understand how two forward-thinking clubs who are willing to buy in the transfer window, I cannot understand how these players are still playing meaningful games for the club. Like, you look at Chelsea, two... Marcus Alonso made two massive mistakes and then got chewed out by Frank Lampard, allegedly, at the end of the game, and probably won't ever play again. Way beyond the time it should have been. But you look at Mendy for City... She doesn't have a clue. And injuries have nice. affected him. And they spent 400 million on defenders, so money's clearly no option. Why is Mendy still playing left back for City? Why?
2: It's, it's bizarre that they didn't just go get Chilwell. Was it last summer when they were, they were after him?
0: Yeah.
2: Not, mm. not perhaps they were worried he
0: didn't... Perhaps they were worried he doesn't have a right foot.
2: Yeah. I mean, seriously. <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I, you know, it,
2: it's hard to watch down City's left at the moment It really it, is
0: it, City's City,
2: It's hard to watch Even down their right
0: it, 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 Kyle Walker I, I don't know what, That was the penalty where I was like Kyle Walker what are you doing Like but Garcia in,
2: right, I was, He's uh, been around for ages Established England International He shouldn't be doing that No He no. shouldn't be making he, that mistake
0: it is, in- it is interesting. Um, Dave, we've seen a lot of mistakes because we saw one in the Liverpool Arsenal game too where Andy Robertson made a mistake. We saw, yeah. we saw fucking hundreds of them at the Hawthorns. Christ <laughs> alive. Um, do you think there's, something, there's an element to a lack of a crowd, a lack of pressure almost, and people are taking it easy? I mean, even Virgil van Dijk, Mr. cigar's Slippers himself, made one against Leeds. Oh.
1: I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, really, because obviously when someone's been closed down or, or whatever, the fans let them know they're there. But on the other foot, there's nothing. If anything, they can just hear their teammates louder. So if someone's shouting man on, there's no way they could miss that. Um,
0: yeah.
2: I mean, I, think I, mean
0: I mean, more of a sense of pressure, because if you make it, if you yeah, make a mistake, yeah, you I make guess, a mistake. Yeah. On if your Alonzo, back. yeah. It doesn't really if Alonso makes, makes a mistake down the, down the shelves, everyone in, the, in there is going to be doing the sounds of a Nissan Micro to try and put him off because <laughs> we know he's had trouble with them before. Fuck Me,
1: <laughs> no, I see, no, I do see your point. I think maybe the players just don't have as much urgency. Um, yeah, I, I don't know really if. Why are we giving them like
0: a an excuse? Why are we giving them an excuse? Because otherwise, I'm gonna be uh, driving my car into Alonso's front lounge. Um, <laughs> anyway, it, I think it's on. just
2: that one, one or two percent that they might be missing from that cr- the crowd not being there, and that not for Alonso. He's he's a clown in fucking Chelsea kit, but
0: he's missing sixty five percent of his fucking brain cells. That's what he's missing. <laughs> You yeah, look like I a clown in that kit. Like too. Christ. Um, Should we get on choice to for you you,
2: Chelsea?
0: Uh, right, that's Ham Chelsea? Right, that's my point. We're going long in the tooth. I'll give you a choice. Do you want to talk about West Ham battering Wolves or do you want to talk about Chelsea 3-3 draw at the Hawthorns? Now, before you make a decision, let's just all picture David Moyes managing the team from home and just constantly clicking demand more. Yeah. The top. <laughs> <laughs> but which one do you want to uh, talk about? Let's, let's just start. quickly...
2: Quickly go to West Ham, I think.
1: Yeah, uh, talk about Chelsea all the time.
2: Yeah, uh, we, we will have to up. get to them quickly, but I think. But
0: do we have to? Just quickly. Fucking useless. But right. yeah, West
2: Ham. We've got to show them some love. They went four
0: 0 was, was this a case of West Ham being good or Wolves being bad? I, I think West Ham were, were pretty good. I think it was Wolves being bad. So yeah, because you, do you, want to tell you me hate West, West Ham, Ham so no, no No, 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 it's, it's not that. It's not that, Dave. You also hate West Ham too. Um, It was more a case I of... Hate you... fans, I
1: hate the fans. I thought Wolves
0: weren't very good. Do you want to tell me why, why, why I'm wrong or why West Ham were good?
1: Wolves just made no... They Tam, no... You just said tell me why Wolves are... What? Sorry, you said tell I me said, why Wolves are so bad. You tell me why
0: West Ham are bad.
1: Why West Ham are good Ham were and were I'll good. tell you why Wolves were... Okay, fine. I mean, I have comments on why Wolves were bad, but I don't think that's solely...
0: Well, come on to that later. Come on all to that right.
1: later. I thought West Ham, for once, and the team that's been shipping goals for what seems like forever, they looked really well coached. They had a plan, and they stuck to it. They, like, Basically, all they did was sit behind the ball mm-hmm. and look to break, but they actually had discipline for once. Declan Rice was really good in midfield. He was constantly clearing up. And as you say, City have a lack of one. He was really shielding his back line. If there was anything between midfield and defence, he was there. Um, They also looked at the back pretty settled, which I don't think I've even thought of in a West Ham back four for what feels like a good two or three years. They were pretty calm on the ball. Which is strange when a Tro is charging at you. To be fair, I'd be, I'd be scared. <laughs> yeah, I'd just um, let him cross
0: because because
2: yeah. <laughs> more often than not, he's put out for a throw in.
0: It's pretty
2: much what Luke Shaw does at left back for United. Just lets him cross.
0: I've played left back in the world, by the way.
1: I also thought West Ham were just good going forward. Um, they always had bodies in the box which definitely we've seen a lack of. Usually it's just Antonio isolated, but Suchak was getting in there. Bowen, obviously. Um, even Lanzini. Clear, yeah. Lanzini, I'm, I'm sure he had a horrid mess as well. But they are actually getting in all the right areas. And when they broke, they were just fast. They knew what they were doing. What I'm saying is, Alan Irvine's been technically in charge for two games and they've won both. Get, get him in. I think, and I think he's already in. Mate, he? 5-1 and 4-0 are the, the scores. He's got a 9-1 aggregate. Just get rid of Moise.
0: Bring in Irvine. <laughs> okay. That is a dreadful um, take. But it's, uh, it's
2: just a joke, guys.
0: West, a joke. Ham, West Ham were fine. Um, they broke well, as you said, and Rice was really good. Um, they were helped massively by Wolves being impotent in attack and Big setup in a way which made them absolutely unable to defend. And it, I mean, their midfield, like, you were watching them and they were... Giammatinho, <sighs> I would love to see his pass map because it felt like he was going side to side. It, it felt like yeah. he was playing rugby. And because him and Neves weren't Neves and, let's be honest, <sighs> they couldn't get anything going. It kept going out wide. It was rinse and repeats. Neto and Atreira couldn't create anything. But because there was no invention from Neves and Moutinho, the West Ham, well, the West Ham, the two lines of their team, all they had to do was hold hands and play ringer ringer fucking roses because it was so easy for them. So easy for them. I wasn't even convinced they played that. I didn't even think they played particularly well. I was just sat there going, he's literally passing side to side and he's just Declan Rice is just going like walking along like Pingu just from side to side. It was it was so easy for them. And I wish you watched, the viewers could have seen that well. <laughs> and then you watched and then you watched it the other way. Because Wolves pressed their full their wing back so high. Um you whenever they lost the ball from one of Neves's unimaginative passes or one of Neto's miss hit crosses, the ball would come back to them and they'd basically have a three on three and all those all the centre backs would just get pulled out wide into places they do not want to be. They was getting no protection from the midfield, and everyone was that end of the pitch when they needed to be this end of the pitch, and it just felt like it felt like if they're not performing at that high level in the middle, Wolves are so easy to beat, so easy to beat. And you watch City do it in the first game of the season as well, and admittedly that's two diff- that's a much, that's a massive gap in the talent level from going from De Bruyne and Foden finding space in between the lines to Jared Bowen doing it. If I mean, um, no offence to Jared Bowen, he was excellent in this game, but there's a difference between the player, player of the year, De Bruyne, doing it. You're not worried at that point. You're like, oh, it just happens. But if it's consistently happening to you, it's, it's a real worry. And I just thought wolves, wolves were shocking. Wolves were so bad that I was like, sat there going, I was like, West Ham might as well not even celebrate. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Bres?
2: Well, I thought West Ham were... Played a lot better at Arsenal last week, um, and this week, yeah, I mean, Wolves may not have had the best game, but I think West Ham were partly to blame for that. They were, they were a lot better. Obviously, didn't have much of the ball, but yeah. what, what they did have, yeah, Bowen, etc., going forward. It, it is funny that Morris isn't in the dugout for these games, isn't it? <laughs> it's is quite amusing. I, I hope he's well and all that, but it is funny that the good results are happening now he's not there. <laughs> mm. But yeah, no, I've, it it's, it certainly wasn't a result I expected, particularly not by this scoreline.
0: Oddly enough, watching um watching Wolves felt a bit like um uh, Moyes's Man United, tons of meaningless possession against a relegation candidate. Um, yeah, true terrible. <laughs> yeah, so let's end the podcast there and let's not talk about the Hawthorns. Um Yeah, we all alright? We all agreed with that?
2: Yeah. I don't care about talking about no, it. All
0: but... I'm saying is you led to
1: West Brom tweeting CR seven about Callum Robinson and my head fell clean off.
0: Yeah. Right. I'll I'll do it quickly then. Um Lampard got this dead wrong from the start. Um he's a bit hurt by the fact he hasn't got his two main wingers fit. And he's a bit hurt. He didn't have his left back fit. Um, they funneled Chelsea down the middle for the entire first half, waiting to pick them off. And because Chelsea were playing mount wide, they had no width. You could instantly tell that West Brom, as soon as Callum came, up, Callum hudson came on, they were in trouble because they had to do. And he was pulling them all around the pitch with Werner as your only natural wide player, a man who wants to come inside. He's going to be funneled into one part of the pitch. And then to say you're worried about counter-attacks and play a pivot of Kovacic and Kante, who, as I said, are seeking to destroy ones, is stunningly inept. Stunningly <laughs> inept, Lampard. So, but for all of that, for all of that, Chelsea had two clear-cut chances in the first half. One for Tammy, one for Werner, at one nil down, both of which go in, it's 2-1, and West Ham, West Ham? West Brom are shinking, shinking? Sinking back. A yeah. <laughs> so, shinku set, that? So that being so they scored all three of their shots on target they had in the first thing and I'm not saying they were particularly difficult chances but they were all of Chelsea's own making. And like Alonso losing his man and then heading the ball back into the pitch. I've got no more to say about him. He's not good enough to be playing for Chelsea. He's not even good enough to be playing for Everton or the people look or Wolves, people who are looking for the Europa League spot. Not play people who are ambitions higher. Tiago Silva made a mistake because people just make mistakes. But it's interestingly enough, Lampard, that you've got a bloke here who has played the entire time on the left side of, on the right side of defence in France, and you go for your first game in the Premier League. I'll oh, go play on the left side of defence. That'll certainly help you in the build-up, won't it? And here's the armband. Yeah, and here's the armband too. Honestly, and then and then you watch Chelsea being absolutely all over them when it was when it was three, right up until it was three-two. And then Lampard, again, made the decision. He was like, right, let's send Giroud on. We were absolutely dominating them, so let's send on Giroud. And then you just lost the shape, you lost the width, and Chelsea only got back into it through a fluke. Lampard, and I think Lampard's the right man for Chelsea. I think he's a good coach. This was a shocking managerial performance. Absolutely shocking. And he can be as angry as he wants at Alonso and Thiago Silva and rightly point out there were mistakes, but in the in the offensive phase, he got this so wrong and made it so easy for West Brom, so wrong. And I say that as a man who loves him. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you guys can talk about it. I'm done. I'm done talking about it. I think you've covered it all really well. Pretty <sighs> yeah, well. it was a good.
2: Good comeback though. Good. Good that they uh, they did come back and get a point. In all fairness, I'll give yeah. them that. But they yeah. should never have been in that position in the first place.
0: Great fucking character to come back against West Brom fuck's sake, Chelsea. Well,
1: I mean, Liverpool uh, celebrated a 1-1 with uh, against West Brom famously by giving the fans an applause. Well, you never know what could be around the corner in a couple of years.
0: True. That is true. Um, I think, again, I just was like, uh, I, was, I was doubly annoyed by all the people on Twitter afterwards with the obituaries going, oh, this is over. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm like, oh, they don't know how to coach the team. They're a bad team. I'm like, well... We've got new players that are gelling, but let's not forget they were really good last year. So just try not to overreact in the first three weeks, I guess, is the message of this podcast. Unless it's uh, about VAR A. R. It's and handball. In <laughs> which case, overreact. Yeah,
2: yeah, go for it. I'm with Clive Tilsley on that.
0: That's, yeah. Well, having to talk about Alonso has thoroughly ruined my day again. Thoroughly ruined my day. I've done hopefully, bombshell.
2: hopefully the listeners enjoyed it.
0: I don't think they will have. Well, at least, ladies and gentlemen, two Chelsea games, no clean sheets, but no Kepa. Um, although, let me tell you now, Kepa was sat on the bench, and I watched him uh, watch Mendy almost drop a across, and I could almost see the little bit in the eye, the little twinkle, the little Kepa twinkle. <laughs> um, but anyway, Dave, the people want to. That'll do us for this week, Dave. If the people want to follow you, where can they follow you? Uh, at Dave Harris underscore forty four. Yep, yeah, and um, if ladies and gentlemen, if you do follow Dave there, please ask him why he was dressed as Sir Francis. Oh, Trish. I knew you were gonna be up thrills <laughs> that aren't even real. And ask, about, ask, this is, back, ask him about his medieval, not medieval, his um, Renaissance reenactment. Where this is genuine
1: uh, slander, boy. I feel like I'm gonna to have to tweet a picture of it. <laughs> I think uh, if, this, if this gets traffic and people adding these thrills, I will legit literally tweet a picture of the shirt not me in it no one wants to see that but I'll just tweet a picture of the <laughs> shirt if it comes to that
2: but then people will think you're lying it's a different shirt yeah we
0: need
2: you oh, in it up no, yeah.
0: we, we need you in it and we need you holding up a newspaper like one of those kidnap victims
2: and get no get your dad next to you it could be like you're signing a contract
1: no that's too
2: far
0: for in and
2: around <laughs> media
0: it was yeah right okay who's signing Dave to contract. okay right Mike if they want to follow you where can uh, yeah. follow you
2: uh, at Mikey Breslin on Twitter if you want to follow me
0: and of course go to Mike Breslin for all your thoughts on the uh, famous South American Strikers in the Premier League um, and you can follow me at but please don't please instead follow us at In Pod. oh almost went into the email haha Forty one episodes in he's still making a mistake. <laughs> um, you can follow us on all the socials, including Pinterest at In and Around Pod. Um if you've got any questions for us, please either send us them there or email us at in and at gmail.com. And as you should all hopefully know by now, um we launched a website a few weeks ago. It's called in and You can go there to find um more in-depth thoughts about um football really yeah let's talk about dave's frills and other ponds <laughs> and podcast related tangents but um currently up on the site is the usual brez's bets um mike you had a winner at the weekend
2: did indeed got off the mark for the season which is got nice off.
0: In week two as well i thought it would have taken till week 38 um <laughs> you'd also find as mentioned dave's preview of the efl along with what we learned this weekend but also you can find our uh, awards predictions there which is content that won't be coming on the podcast so please go check it out there um there's a there's a few hot takes in there isn't there dave yeah a couple will a couple do you want to do you want to give a do you want to give a sneak preview of who you pick for manager of the year <laughs> the other green that is roy hodgson yeah. <laughs> if you want to find out why dave did that please head again head over to in and around media just watch no. him this season that will show you enough okay are you quite finished? I think yeah. it's good night. <laughs> yeah. It's good night from William Shakespeare over there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> until next week, goodbye. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers.